The Big Fight Weekend Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now. Visit winbet.com, W-Y-N-N-Bet.com, and start winning today. We're also brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports. Check out the new PropSwap.com and use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. We're also brought to you in part by Prediction Strike. Prediction Strike is the only performance-based stock market-style game where you buy and sell shares of professional athletes. Use the promo code SGP to receive a free athlete share with your first deposit of $20 or more. And, of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Find it in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store, the SGPN app. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Well, 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 here we are one more time in the month of October. Halloween looming this weekend. No, we are not dressed in costumes. I assure you, as you can hear us only here on the audio version of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I am merely the somewhat capable, somewhat lucid host of the show. He is senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com, Marquise Johns, uh, who I'm happy to report is not in a vampire costume, uh, not in a Batman costume, not in any other kind of a He's not dressed as a pumpkin, not, not as anything else. Week sauce, we are ready for some more fights this weekend on Halloween weekend. How are you? Pretty good, TJ. Disappointed that I was going to go as Angel Louise, but I don't have enough time or money or, or real estate for that bag viewer whatsoever. Or should you just be a Snickers bar if you were going to be Ruiz? I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> shortly, Keith Eidick will be here, senior writer. Uh, BoxingScene.com columnist as well. Love his insight. Keith is in Las Vegas for the foreseeable future. Uh, He'll be part of the Showtime coverage covering that fight, uh, that uh, main event fight with Jamal James. Co-feature has Jerron Boots Ennis. We'll talk to him about that. Oh, and then Canelo Caleb Plant next week in Vegas. So Keith always gives us great stuff, great insight, and willing to give us his time. He'll be here momentarily to impart some wisdom. And let me just say up front, the fact that Keith was around Marquise in Atlanta last weekend for Shakur Stevenson and Jamel Herring, and he wasn't so annoyed or ticked off that he agreed to come on the podcast anyway, says a lot for Keith. And maybe Marquise actually behaved himself last weekend. We will find out shortly on the podcast. First, let me tell you, however you found this show, Social media link, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows. As we always like to say, subscribe, fire away, follow us, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts, subscribe. We're usually here, preview mode about midday Friday, stays current, stays well relevant through the fights on Saturday night, et cetera. So find us uh, there on those podcast platforms. Search for us, Big Fight Weekend. And uh, again, you can also find us through the website, bigfightweekend.com. Many ways to find us. Easiest way to get the podcast is subscribe. And then again, if the fight is big enough or breaking news is big enough, we come in with a special podcast. If you're subscribed, you automatically get the show. So that is the benefit of doing that. Without any further delay, again, Keith Eidick, happy to have him on board on the program. 
uh, once again to impart some credibility and some wisdom. God knows we need some of that. Keith, how are you uh, from Sin City in the desert in Las Vegas? How are things? Doing good. Doing good so far. It's uh, day two of a uh, 12-day span out here in Vegas, so I'm uh, <laughs> bracing myself for another 10 days, basically. But I hey. would like you to know that he's not opening for Danny Gans or any other musical or entertainment act in Vegas at this point, even though he's got an extended stay uh, for a lot of different boxing reasons. And again, I fully credit you the fact that Marquise was around you. Was he, on a scale of 1 to 10, a 6, an 8 on the annoyance, or was he okay? Did he behave himself at the State Farm Arena last weekend around uh, uh, Marquise, you? Marquise is always good in my book, man. Uh, I never had any with Marquise. We, had a, we chopped it up a little bit at ringside and, uh, you know, we walked out of the arena together and neither of us got shot or anything, which yeah, did <laughs> happen the last time that we were at State Farm Arena when Javante Davis fought uh, Mario Barrios. There was a shooting and they locked out. Oh. That did not happen on Saturday. So <laughs> I that's always that I've heard this story. My question is, did Marquise duck behind you for cover? Did he, did he duck behind a, a dumpster? What, I mean, I, I'm not thinking well, that he was looking to stand in the way of trouble there. So I've, uh, this is a I, fantastic I would, nugget. When in doubt, always use the bathroom. Bathroom is like always a safe space. <laughs> <laughs> duck into the bathroom. Duck into the stall. Okay. That's yeah. good on that. I like that. Okay, so uh, to bring it back to some seriousness, we saw a heck of a performance from Shakur Stevenson. I have to say up front that I was surprised. I want both of your reactions, Keith, you first, on how dominant Stevenson was in the 10-round TKO of Jamel Herring, who's a quality fighter, was in shape, but Stevenson darn near shut him out in that fight. Keith, your thoughts? Yeah, I wasn't surprised that Shakur Stevenson won, and I wasn't surprised that Shakur Stevenson won convincingly. I was surprised that he dominated Jamel Herring from beginning to end for the most part. I mean, maybe Marquise and I had discussed this on the way out of the arena. You know, there was probably one round. You could, I think it was the fifth round that you could have given to Jamel Herring. But beyond that, then that was a round kind of Shakur Stevenson might have taken off a little bit and let uh, Jamel Herring get off some offense. But uh, it was a, it was a masterful performance, a dominant performance from Shakur Stevenson. I think a, a star making performance to the degree that a a non puncher and a, and clearly a a technically skilled boxer and a defensive wizard can be a star. I think this was the type of performance for Shakur Stevenson that would put him in that realm. Um, hard to deny him at this point. I mean, Jamel Herring, while thirty five years old, going on thirty six, and not considered the best junior lightweight champion in the division was making his fourth title defense had completely rejuvenated his career. And everyone, most people thought that he was going to give Shakur Stevenson, certainly more of a fight than he was able to do. Marquis, same question to you, not just that Stevenson won, but how good he was. You were there with Keith ringside. What did you think? Yeah. I'm curious to piggyback what Keith mentioned, TJ. The one thing about this fight that which confused me, TJ, more than anything else. And Jamel, when we had him on last week, talked about this, that he was going to try to press the fight and come forward. Well, to his defense, he did. The only problem is every time he did, he was greeted with a left that kept attacking his eye at, to the point where he had stopped the fight eventually. And that was just the one thing that I thought was very impressive from Shakur. And the one thing with Shakur that I thought was really impressive about all of this too was I was expecting this to be an absolute sloth. I mean, we got two southpaws, two southpaws that are known for not punching. And for Shakur, he turned it up, and that was just a big difference in this whole fight where Jamel didn't have any answer whatsoever. By about the fourth or fifth round, you're trying to figure out, even ringside just wondering, like, at what point are you going to stop this, or is he going to get stopped was when? So uh, you guys were around there. You're like the only ones that Shakur wasn't glaring at, like between rounds or when the fight was. He's glaring at Terrence Crawford, who trains 
uh, with Herring. He was gl- after the fight, he put his head through the ropes and like said something to Tim Bradley, whatever it was, uh, when it was over. What, what did you make of that extra motivation? Keith first, what did you make of that? It's almost like um, he was he was performing not only to win, win the title, you know, et cetera, but he was also trying to do the I'm going to show you thing uh, to a couple people. Well, in some respects, you could say that he owes them a thank you because he was certainly motivated by what Timothy Bradley had said about him from the time that he beat Jeremiah Nakatia. He, he was not entertaining in that fight at all. And some fights, you just get the win, you get the W and you move forward and you try to be entertaining in your next fight. That was a clear case of that. I think that when he fought Nakatia, I think he got touched with a right hand in the sixth round that got his attention. And he certainly fought in a more defensive, um, non-engaging type of way for the remainder of the fight. So I think what Tim Bradley's point was, was that, look, he's going to have to be, if he wants to be the superstar that he believes he can be, that he's going to have to be more entertaining and he's going to have to take more risks. But I also see it from Shakur Stevenson's side in that, hey, look, you know, you take too many risks against the wrong guy and you get knocked out and then your career is set back forever. So there's a fine line to walk there. But I do think that Stevenson used the criticism that he took after the Nakatia fight as fuel. He took it with him in training camp. He took it with him into the ring against Jamel Herring. And again, I think he owes people some gratitude maybe for helping. And he's not looking at it that way because a lot of these guys, you know, they get a little bit of criticism and they don't necessarily like it. Um, but the other thing, guys, and I, and I on our website, I know you guys see the comments section on our website and stuff. It's some of the insane things that are posted on there. But guys create imaginary enemies, right? I mean, they make, you know, whether it's me or whether it's Timothy Bradley or whomever, they always think people have it out for them. And clearly we don't, but whatever, I mean, whatever gets you up and whatever gets you to the point where you're at in your career, good luck. I don't take any of it personally. And I, I do think that, you know, the Charlos are a great example of, of, of manufacturing enemies that don't exist. I mean, but guys have done this throughout the course of time in boxing. It's a common theme and I think it will continue. And I think it, Timothy Bradley is not an enemy of, of Shakur Stevenson. He's a supporter of Shakur Stevenson or as much of an, of an objective broadcaster can be. And of course, Tim's a former fighter who's connected to Stevenson's team. But, but my point being, he owes him a thank you more than anything. And I love the fact that guys are willing to criticize with whatever they see, because so much of it is just almost PR and and fluff and championing a guy and then making excuses when they don't look good. So I like the criticism across the board. And that's what you're saying, too. When you're willing to criticize, when you see it and you say this is not very good tonight or he wasn't very good tonight. Good. We like some of that honesty. Uh, in that, or at least, uh, at least I do. Uh, Marquise is always all about uh, paranoia and the enemy's real and imaginary. I mean, Michael Michael Jordan did. I, I thought of this while you were saying that, Keith. Michael Jordan did a number on everybody because he was angry at like the third or fourth best player on whoever they were playing, uh, yeah. real or imaginary. That was Michael Jordan's uh, mo with that. He always had a chip on his shoulder, and that's why they won um, all the time. All right, a few more moments with Keith Idick, BoxingScene.com, hanging here at the beginning of the bod- podcast. We got plenty to get to Marquise and I on the fight odds and the gambling for this weekend for sports gambling podcast much to get to but while we have Keith here I want to hone in on a couple of things uh first of all this Dillian White situation in England was supposed to be the main event fight in London he is elected elected to pull out of that fight claiming it's a shoulder injury will not fight the fight they're going to go on with the fight card without him with Otto Valin who's a heavyweight contender not a top contender 
White citing a shoulder injury. We know what the real truth is. Anybody that pays attention to the sport here knows what the truth is. He wants to fight Tyson Fury. He doesn't want to risk losing again, looking bad, much less losing again. Uh, So, Keith, uh, to you first, uh, what about this situation where at the time we're taping the podcast here, Dillian White has met with the media uh, on uh, Thursday in England uh, and is trying to explain the shoulder injury versus uh, there's about 10 times the money to go fight Tyson Fury if I can get that fight. What do you make of that real quick, Keith? I I never understood why they scheduled the Otto Wallin fight to begin with, because Otto Wallin, in my opinion, is a top 10 is a back end of the top 10 heavyweight. I think he proved that when he fought Tyson Fury two years ago, uh, he's a real guy, you know, and that's his only loss against Tyson Fury. So I didn't understand uh, the risk reward proposition that they, that they had here with this fight. I, I didn't think it made any sense when they scheduled it. I thought they just should have waited until Tyson Fury fought Deontay Wilder for the third time, saw how that played out. There was no urgency for him to fight October 30th other than wanting to make a large sum of money, which, I, which of course, is a huge factor here. But why would you take that risk against Otto Wallin in a fight you clearly could lose? Now, he says, oh, I would have knocked him out in the sixth or seventh round. That's all fine, but you're not fighting him for a reason here, it's, it would seem, you know, because whatever you think of his shoulder situation, um, if he really thought that he was going to walk through Otto Wallin and beat him within six or seven rounds and that, that he was a quote-unquote cherry, as he said, <laughs> um, reschedule the fight for two or three months from now and go forward with the fight. They're not doing that. He's going to fight Tyson Fury, which from a business standpoint makes, makes much more sense than fighting Otto Wallin, no matter how, you know, even if Dillian White was to make two to $3 million for fighting Otto Wallin, he's going to make much more than that for what would be a huge fight in England against Tyson Fury. So uh, it just made, again, it made no sense to me from the beginning to schedule this fight. I thought it was odd when I was first told about it. Um, it's not unfortunate for Otto Wallin what happened here. Um, but it kind of is what it is because they're not contractually obligated to reschedule the fight. Uh, they're not really contractually obligated to provide the medical proof that Otto Wallin and his promoter, Dimitri Salida, are providing. And that's rather unfortunate because you should, when you have a nearly a $1 million payday at stake yourself, like Otto Wallin did, um, you should get some kind of proof having gone through almost all of training camp and uh, thinking you're going to get to that fight. Keith is being very diplomatic right now. I'm ready to launch on launching pad 2A. Marquise gets to go first. Uh, Your thoughts now with all that we laid out there, including uh, White and the dog and pony show with Eddie Hearn uh, in the press conference Thursday. What about it, Marquise? You would think, guys, that Eddie Hearn would have somebody in matchroom headquarters in the costume or the props department to have an arm sling, right? You know, shooting fireworks or something like that, or at least something to show that he had an actual shoulder injury. Prove it, you know, and keep the kayfabe going or something like that in wrestling. I mean, that's what they do there. I mean, he didn't watch Andy Kaufman with an arm sling, TJ. I mean, what's going on here with this? This is clearly the biggest farce we all know. But the, we all, we, and we all know he's going 40 year old wrestling reference with Andy Kaufman. I love it. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm yes. telling you, but it, it, it's unreal. Like we, we all know what this is. I, I, I personally, I'd be more respectful of the whole situation if Eddie Hearn just flat out said, "Guys, we all know what this fight is. We all know what this is," because it, it really is. TJ, it's, it's, it's all. It's, it's the worst smoke and mirrors ever. And to piggyback your point, Keith, I was confused when this fight was made too, because at one point they mentioned having Jermaine Franklin uh, on on the docket as well, which I thought made more sense for this because. If you're going to bring in a heavyweight, bring in a light punching one like Jermaine Franklin. But no, we're bringing Ola Wallin. It's like, yeah, the guy who who arguably beat Tyson Fury, you know, in the third round of that one fight. But you know, this is what they do over there. Apparently, it's it's very unfortunate. But the good news is that locally, uh, Chantel Cameron, who is from Liverpool, the ticket seller anyway, is the main event. So it is what it is. 
That, that's true on that point. Okay, so two points that I have, and I could sit here for 15 more minutes, but Keith's yeah. got to run here uh, in a minute. Marquise and I may pick it up a little bit later on, but these two points I think are very relevant. Not just the money for uh, uh, Waleen, Keith and Marquise, and for the audience, but the fact that he's looking to be busy and active, and this is the fight he's aiming for, and now the rug completely yanked out from under him, and he doesn't have a fight in the short term. So that's a bigger deal to me, unless Keith, you're, I see you nodding because yeah. I can see you right now, unless he can maybe get to something late November or in December where it's not as bad. Do you have any intel on that? Because other than that, if he's got to wait 60, 90 days, that, that is screwing him even worse in the boxing sense and staying busy and trying to help enhance your brand. Well, m- more than him staying busy, TJ, I think it's that he, if he would have beaten Dillian White, which a lot of people think that he would have done, he would have gotten into position to fight Tyson Fury again. I mean, obviously, what, right. what you know, the, the the gold at the end of the rainbow there for Otto Wallin is that rematch against Fury. Now, he would not have been guaranteed the rematch because it was not declared a an elimination match by the WBC. Otto Wallin somehow is only ranked twentieth in the WBC's rankings. I'd like to know the nineteen heavyweights that are better than him. <laughs> yeah. Be that as it may. Um, they did not sanction it as an eliminator. So even if he had won and he won the interim title, which you could argue shouldn't even really exist, he might not have been guaranteed the Fury fight, but there would have been de- much more demand for the Fury fight had Waleen beaten Dillian White. So I think that's where he's been wrong. Now, they've been told, Eddie Hearn has uh, informed Dimitri Salida, Waleen's promoter, that uh, they will get him a fight, but it's not going to be the fight of the magnitude of Dillian White. and It's, it's probably not going to be the payday that he was supposed to make for fighting Dillian White. So you're right. He's been wrong here beyond belief. Unfortunately, from a legal standpoint, they can continue pushing the case just for the court of pu- to win in the court of public opinion, which I think they already have convincingly won there. Uh, they can keep doing that, but it's not really going to do much in terms of getting Dillian White in the ring without a money. And the second part of this that I think is justice is the WBC doesn't have to go the way of Dillian White and Eddie Hearn here. And if they were to say, hey, you're supposedly hurt. You didn't fight the fight. We wanted you to fight. So Tyson Fury's not obligated to fight you next. Tyson Fury can pick somebody else out of the WBC laundry list here. Probably won't be Valine. Maybe it's Marquise's guy, Ajit Kabayel. My boy. German. Maybe it's him. That that would be justice, I think, if this is the case. If in a couple of weeks, and again, this is just TJ from the armchair. You're much closer to it, Keith, and have much more insight. But if the WBC were to say, okay, reschedule the fight with Valine, and then you're back in the picture, or for now, Fury can fight somebody else, then Hearn and White are screwed for doing the phantom shoulder thing a week and a half before the Valine fight. Throw cold water on it now. Feel free. Go ahead. I see your perspective on this, TJ, but um, the WBC is being sued by Dillian White because he was supposed to get his mandate. He did have a he did have a valid case before. Yeah. Before he was, and I can't emphasize this enough, before he was knocked unconscious by Alexander. <laughs> That's correct. He's always forgotten in this in this whole saga with Dillian White. Yeah. Before that happened, he had a legitimate case here. You know, he he was how Dominic Brazil was ranked behind him when he had already been promised the mandated shot. And then Dominic Brazil uh, wound up fighting Deontay Wilder and got knocked out. Mm-hmm. In the first. Yeah. I, I don't know how that. I, I, mean, they I, make it, I get the answer because they make it up. They make it up week to week. You live yeah. this. They make that, it up this, week to week and month but, to month. That's why I'm saying they could make it up here. It's the WBC. They could, they could but they would be jeopardizing. I think they want this court case to go away because, because I think Dillian White has a valid point in that 
by not getting the title shot when he was supposed to get it, whatever you think of what would have happened that he fought Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury, he, he missed out on some, a huge payday by not getting the, and there's really no sensible justification for it having happened the way that it happened. So mm-hmm. I think they want that to go away. And the easiest way for that to go away is to have him fight Tyson Fury next for the title. So I don't think that they're going to make a stink about this. And again, they did not order him to fight Otto Wallin. It was a voluntary defense, despite that Dillian Understood. Say that it was not a voluntary defense. That's exactly what it was. I have no idea why he said that, but um, but they're not, so they're not going to push the envelope for Valine because they did not order this fight. Um, and they didn't even want to sanction it for the interim title because of where he's ranked. But so I don't think they'll push the issue. Well, we're banging on Dillian White. He deserves it because he's flunked not one, but two drug tests. He flunked a drug test in 2019 that should have kept him from fighting Oscar Rivas. But oh, by the way, he and Eddie Trace Hearn. And the, yes, he and Eddie Hearn and the British Boxing Board of Control covered that up pre-fight while that went on. So there's some shenanigans, number one. And you're right. I love the shenanigans of when Pavetkin knocked a Dillian White out last August. And immediately Eddie Hearn is saying, well, that doesn't make him the number one contender, mate. That doesn't make him the number one contender. What do you mean that doesn't make him the number one contender? (laughs) If he didn't just knock the number one contender out, he wouldn't have an argument, but he did. So uh, again, that number one contender thing is dubious. Uh, Uh, Along those lines, we'll see. We'll see what the WBC does. I promised Keith Eidick that he would get out of here quickly. Again, you're in Vegas. The Showtime PBC card has not one but two welterweight contenders. Uh, Entertaining fights. Jerron Boots in is expected to win and maybe win by knockout impressively and quickly in the co-feature. And then Batayev, if I have the name right, and Jamal Shango James is the main event. Another big-time welterweight fight among contenders. Keith, you're there. You're on scene in Vegas. Give me a minute or two before we let you get out of here because you've been gracious with us here on the podcast. Give me a thought or two about this Showtime card in Vegas Saturday night. Well, I, I think, and I think Marquise would, and, and you would agree, TJ, I, I think that Jerron Ennis is the, is the most talented young fighter in the sport. And, and, and if he fought maybe any other welterweight, including Terrence Crawford, I might favor him to win. And, and that's obviously saying a lot. And I'm not saying he would walk through Terrence Crawford or Errol Spencer when he's healthy or anything like that. The kid is otherworldly talented. Uh, We obviously want to see him against better welterweights. The problem, of course, is that other welterweights recognize, they say real recognizes real, and they see in this kid that they don't want any part of that. And I don't blame them. I I give Tom Delorme a lot of credit. Uh, He's going to make somewhere around $300,000 on on Saturday, which is a great payday for for Delorme, who's who's a credible welterweight. Like People are are crapping on Thomas Delorme, he gave Imanta Stanionis a very difficult fight. Some people thought maybe it was a draw. I thought Stanionis edged it out because he came on later in the fight, but he tested a guy who people think will be a future welterweight champion. So Delorme's, um, he's a credible opponent, but I don't give him much chance to beat Boots Ennis. And that's just because Ennis is so good and on such another level than virtually every other fighter in the entire sport, regardless of division. Uh, as it pertains to the Jamal James Butaya fight, I think it's a competitive fight. You know, Butayev lost to Alexander Besputin, who later failed a PED test, and that's why Butayev has been guaranteed this uh, shot against Jamal James for the WBA's world title. Jamal James is a solid fighter. He's only lost to your Dennis Ugas, and I think we've all come to realize how good Ugas actually is. Just beat Manny Pacquiao, of course, and is on a nice run here as a WBA champion. So that's a very competitive fight, I think. I would favor Jamal James to win. But Butayev is a, is, a, is a live underdog, I think, in that fight. Um, and the winner is in some kind of 
weird WBA tournament that they've created for reasons <laughs> unbeknownst to anyone. Um, but what really should happen is if Jamal James wins on Saturday night, Ugas should have to fight him to then – I get Ugas's point, though. He should be able to get paydays here, too, at this point in his career. But th- there are two WBA uh, welterweight champions, and if they could clean that up, um, they've shown – some interest in cleaning up all of their messes and all of the other divisions. Let's hope they do that moving forward. But, but they're two, two solid welterweight fights. I mean, it's not, you know, a pay-per-view worthy card or anything like that, but, but two very good. Well, two interesting is what I'll say that because I, I think we all agree that Ennis is going to beat the convincing. Any chance just real quick. And then I know you got to go any chance they're setting up as kind of a boots Ennis and Shango James with the winners. Is that part of the motivation? What are you hearing? What's your educated speculation? Well, that would be that would make perfect sense because obviously you're putting these two guys in the co-feature in the main event, seemingly setting up that fight. When Jamal James was asked about that at the press conference today, it did not seem like he was all that interested in it. Um, said the right things. He said that, yeah, I'll fight him. I'll fight anybody. But from a business standpoint, Jamal James is trying to get paid. So it would make much more sense for him to pursue the Ugas fight, particularly with Ugas coming off that career defining win against Pacquiao than it would to fight Jerron Ennis. And that's the unfortunate predicament that Jerron Ennis and his handlers are in because two things, one, he he's absurdly talented. And so, and people realize it and don't want to fight him Two, He's not affiliated with Al Heyman. So while he's fighting on Showtime and he has a deal with a multi-fight deal with Showtime to continue fighting on the network, he's not one of Al Heyman's guys. So Al Heyman is looking at this like, yeah, I'll send you to my B level guys and whatever, but I'm not serving him. I'm not serving up one of my A level guys or B plus level guys to a guy that I don't have a part of. So until Al Heyman gets in the Jerron Ennis business, I don't see him getting the types of fights that he wants on the PBC side. Maybe, you know, who knows what's going to happen in the Porter Crawford fight, but guys like Sean Porter, you know, established welterweights who you'd have to pay a lot of money to fight Jerron Ennis to convince them that's, that's worthwhile. Those fights are not going to happen until Al Heyman is at least a partner in the Jerron Ennis business with Cameron Duncan. And that has not happened yet, does not seem to be on the verge of happening. And until it does, we're going to see Jerron Ennis beat up B-level welterweights until something changes. This is why we have the man here, Keith Eidick, BoxingScene.com, senior writer and columnist. Always love his insight. Marquise, he's got to go. Say bye to your uh, Atlanta uh, uh, ringside mate there from last week. We always appreciate him coming on, uh, even, even after you were bending his ear at the State Farm Arena for last weekend. All good? All good? Absolutely. Say goodbye, Marquise. Thanks, Keith. Thanks so much, man. Hey, good to see you, Marquise. Uh, pleasure to be on with you guys as always. I'll talk to you soon, all right? So we love his insight. I kid you because we care uh, that you were around him in Atlanta for Stevenson and Herring. Hey, uh, you and I are going to talk more about the Showtime card on the back half here, including the gambling odds coming up in a few moments. I didn't mean to not have you included because we were trying to get him out on time from Las Vegas, Keith Eidick. So Marquise Johns, say anything else you'd like to say on the whole white situation uh, Waleen being jobbed out of this, you're making res- wrestling references. He got jobbed out of his title shot. Uh, what the WBC might or might not do with Fury, finish up on that, Marquise. Yeah, TJ, I really hope the WBC, when it comes to this, does the right thing. But as Keith mentioned, I forgot about the lawsuit that 
it seems kind of frivolous if you really think about it, but for some reason or another, they don't want to be dealing with lawsuits, despite the fact that these are these sanctioning bodies are pretty much behind attorneys all day. But, you know, it is what it is with that's nonsense. But the one thing with Dillian White, just as a whole, which, which still puzzles me about all of this, where it's like if you have the, the, the this, this shoulder injury, right, TJ, say you got it in training, sparring, whatever have you. Why are you making a press conference saying you want to fight Tyson Fury? Aren't you injured? I mean, if you're going to if you're going to have this injury, just sell it a little better. I mean, we all, we all know people pull out of fights all the time for obvious reasons. Just, just do better about just do better about it, man. What's going on? And let's here? and let's just say this because this happened not once but twice. So White gave an interview to BT Sport Television last weekend at the time we're releasing the podcast on Saturday. Uh-huh. Again, he's got no brace on, no sling on, no nothing. I am not an expert, but I know enough about shoulder injuries and whatever they are that if it's if it's serious enough for him to not fight, then you're concerned about immobilizing the arm and, and helping the shoulder out if that's the case. So he's giving this interview. They basically don't query him, question him when he's saying hurt shoulder. And within two minutes of all of this beginning, he's talking about Tyson Fury nonstop, blah, 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 fighting Tyson Fury, blah, 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 blah. Fast forward to Thursday in the press conference with Eddie Hearn. Two things. The first thing is Hearn basically told him exactly what to say when Hearn began every question and answer. So Hearn's doing the question and answer. He says, I know you're gutted, mate. I I know you wanted to fight, but I know your shoulders hurt. And I know the doctor's already checked you out. And I know we put this past the British Boxing Board of Control. I know we did all this. But it's like he doesn't need to answer. You just gave it. You just gave us the whole answer, the talking points. So then. White parroted everything that Eddie Hearn said on like the first two or three answers. He said everything that Eddie Hearn said, like how many times did we rehearse this? And the interesting thing is that as soon as Fury gave the answer about the shoulder, the very next thing that Hearn brought up is the ultimate goal here is to fight Tyson Fury, Mike. The ultimate goal is to fight Tyson Fury, blah, blah. And I'm like, if you're selling that he's genuinely hurt and that you're not screwing Waleen, Otto Waleen out of this fight, you can't in the second breath be talking about the Tyson Fury fight. We can see through this like, like it is uh, cellophane. We can see right through what this is. It was ridiculous. So, Marquise, your your follow up to that? Yeah, TJ. Uh, pretty much, uh, it, it, and it seems that Eddie Hearn and Dillian Water are having this having a hard time remembering their lines. They did the same spiel during the whole uh, PED Bridge Border Control trace amounts nonsense, where pretty much Eddie Hearn was pretty and, and during that whole spiel was pretty litigious and careful with his words, as if he talked to a couple of paralegals. And then w- once the press conference came out, you got to hear the same you know prepared statements and concepts. It's like, oh gosh. It, TJ, it's honestly, it's just disappointing where, and, and we and we understand why they're doing this. It's, it's, it doesn't take a genius to figure this out. It's just that you have to do it a little better and hide it a little better. That way, but there's no repercussions. And, and at this point, TJ, this is why we're this is why we're skeptical because we've seen this from Dillian White and Eddie, Eddie Hearn before. It's like this is this is obviously fool's gold here, but here we are. So you believe no chance that they will say Tyson Fury, you can fight somebody else? Because the only thing I'm thinking of when when Keith is talking about or you're talking about lawsuits and whatever the WBC is based in Mexico city. So is the lawsuit going to be filed or has it been filed? I don't know this answer. Has it been filed in Mexico and what are the Mexican courts going to do and how quickly are they going to do it? If, if the WBC (laughs) were to say to Tyson Fury, you can pick somebody else out of our top five to fight besides Dillian white, if you want to, and he chooses to do that, then I, I don't know how, I mean, in what venue does Dillian white stop that legally from happening? Let's just see. Let's just see 
what they roll out and what they do when the WBC meets here in a couple of weeks, because Hearn seems to believe it's a foregone conclusion. And Eddie Hearn believed that an Anthony Joshua Tyson Fury fight was a foregone conclusion. And as you and I have joked on these podcasts, you've written about on the site, I've written about on the site on bigfightweekend.com. That never happened, right? It never happened. Quality fantasy booking, TJ. And I do wonder that you mentioned that the jurisdiction of the lawsuit, it has to be Mexico. But my thing with that at this point is, as you just mentioned, yeah, how long is that going to take? Because there's no way that they're just going to just absolutely race to to, to a challenge for this uh this this lawsuit held in a Mexican court between a fighter who is, you know, based in L.A., Las Vegas, who who is in the U.K., and a guy who is already in the U.K. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with all that mess. But my, I really do think, TJ, at the end of the day, that the WBC just makes all this up as they go along. And my boy, Ajit Cable, is going to be the next man up for Tyson Fury because he what? still is a top 15 WBC contender, oh, and that's all they need to to, to push he's unbeaten, crap along. he's a big body he's not i don't know but i mean there's yeah. so many other quality <laughs> fights that they could yeah, have no um and and again uh <laughs> we're banging on dillian white because he deserves it at this point as yeah. i said yeah. why were you making this fight in the first place that was supposed to happen saturday night if you were not going to follow through when you already knew that tyson fury was going to have a great chance to beat deontay wilder again and that is in fact what happened all right, so Marquis, stand by. We've got more on the fight cards that are happening this weekend. The DAZN card will go on in London without uh, the matchroom card, without the white Wallene main event. Uh, also, the Showtime card in Las Vegas. There's also an ESPN top rank card as well in New York. We'll go all over all of this with some gambling odds, etc. as we continue. But first, we're brought to you by our friends at WinBet. Are you ready to win money and boost your odds? Well, WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. And we're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. You've got exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on all the favorite teams, the players, the sports. We've got the NFL starting up soon. Uh, Major League Baseball is ongoing. You've got the golf. You've got the MMA. Uh, Pretty soon the NBA will be back. The NHL will be back. College football and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. We have what you need with WinBet. If you're ready to play, sign up today. Get a special offer. Get a risk-free $500 bet from us at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network by just downloading and using our promo code SGPN. Download the WinBet app. Visit wynnbet.com. That's wynnbet.com to find out more right now. If you're ready to play, if you're ready to win, they're the premier sports betting experience. Download, bet, and win with WinBet. And we're brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. And the football season is ready to kick off, and PropSwap is here to make this your best season ever. Because with PropSwap, your bet doesn't have to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. For example, Trey Lance of the 49ers opened up at 300-1 to to win the MVP this year, and he has already been bet down to 75 to 1 after that preseason performance just last weekend. That means if you bet 100 bucks on Trey Lance back in May, you could sell that ticket on PropSwap right now for $400, a 300% return before the season ever begins. Think of PropSwap like the stock market, but for sports betting. Buy low, sell high. 
The average seller on PropSwap makes over $500 a month just by listing and selling tickets. And when making your bets, remember, go for two. Make two tickets on the same team. You can sell one for a profit and leave one for yourself for skin in the game. Again, your bet doesn't necessarily have to win. It just has to improve. Think of it like the stock market. Get started today at PropSwap.com. Download the PropSwap app. PropSwap is where America buys and sells sports bets. We're also brought to you in part by Prediction Strike. Prediction Strike is the only performance-based sports stock market where you can buy and sell shares of professional athletes. Use the promo code SGP to receive a free athlete share with your first deposit of $20 or more. And we're brought to you in part by Prize Picks. Turn your picks into real cash with Prize Picks. Here's why it's going to be your favorite daily fantasy app. It's fast, it's easy, and it all starts with Prize Picks. Simply pick two to five players and decide will they go over or under their stat projection for that day. The more players you pick, the more you can win. In fact, you can win up to 10 times your money. Prize Picks is the only way to play. And use the promo code SGP to get a 100% instant deposit match bonus up to $100. That's the Prize Pick app, our promo code SGP. And a reminder the SGPN app is right there live now in the App Store and the Google Play Store. This app gives you easy access to all of our picks, all of our podcasts, everything in the content from the SGPN family of shows and everything that's going on on the app. Don't forget, give us an app review. Download the SGPN app today in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Look for us. It's the SGPN app. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. We are back in one more time. Again, a friendly reminder for all the news, the information, the previews, what have you, BigFightWeekend.com. Follow us on social media at BigFightWeekend. On Twitter, BigFightWeekend Facebook page. Stay engaged with us. As always, Marquise loves to engage and mix it up at Week Sauce Radio. Uh, There were a lot of people flabbergasted because we put a photo up showing Gillian White putting a hat on his head at the end of the press conference where he has both arms raised above shoulder level with a supposed shoulder injury. Anybody that knows anything about serious shoulder that? injuries, that is very painful to do. Uh, but there it was, as you as you have already said, Marquise, on a couple of occasions on this podcast, sell it a little better. Work it, baby. Sell it a little better that it's an actual shoulder injury. Show up with the harness like pro wrestling or the or the uh, or the uh, the sling, and in actuality, you're going to hit him with the cast and beat him up like a bad villain in pro wrestling. But that didn't <laughs> happen, and we'll see what happens next with Dillian White. Um, all right, let's get into these fight cards again. DeZone will press on. What is it? Mm-hmm. Chantel Cameron is now the main event. We've got a heavyweight fight with Eric Molina and Alan Babich uh, on the undercard as well. The DeZone London fight card in the afternoon U.S. time before the two U.S. fight cards in New York and Las Vegas. So, Marquise, let's go over the buffet. We've got the fight, fight cards game. in London. We've got the Zapata fight, top-ranked Las Vegas, uh, top-ranked uh, New York, rather. Las Vegas yeah. is the Showtime PBC card. Boots in it's one of the fights, as well as Budiev and uh, uh, Ta- um, Shango James, yeah. the two uh, welterweights that are that are going head to head in that. So you got the buffet in front of you. What are you looking forward to? What are you looking at this weekend? Uh, start with the important thing out over, across the pond here. The, that that fight card now that Alawalin and Dillian White was off of it, 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 
it's not as strong as it was, but there is two things that I do think that are interesting. The main event now, which is Chantel Cameron and Mary McGee, T- TJ. Mary McGee hasn't fought before since the pandemic, but she is the current IBF belt holder. So this is actually a unification belt with, with Chantel Cameron, so that should be kind of interesting for the most part. But the real fight on that card, TJ, is Alan Babic. Alan Babic, TJ, is this heavyweight prospect from Croatia who just comes in, says whatever the hell he wants, and knocks people out flat out. It's that simple. I mean, what more do you want? He's one of <laughs> He's like a modern day, like Andre the Giant, per se. That's kind of what the gimmick he's going for at this point, and I love it. And thankfully for him, he has Eric Molina, who hasn't been formidable in about a decade, TJ, mind you. So he's still fighting, and he's probably getting smoked in this one. But after that, nonetheless, the, the, the Molina, big fight, by the, the, the way, knocked out by Deontay Wilder back four or five years ago. Also knocked out by Anthony Joshua. He's been beaten a couple of other times. Last beaten I mean, by Philip Hergovic as well. Yeah, he's there been you go. all over. <laughs> there you go. And so we'll see if Babbage gets that knockout uh, the same way or not. Continue on. I didn't mean to sidetrack you. Oh, no, no, you're good. Now, the, the, the uh, Showtime card is really the fight card. If you have to just pick one to watch, it's that one because that's the most competitive one out of all of them. James, Jerome Boots Ennis is facing uh, DeLorme, as we, and we had Keith Eide gone about it earlier. Uh, the one thing with Jerron uh, that I think is really interesting, TJ, is that he just keeps every, the more he fights, the stronger and stronger he looks in these fights. His last fight against Sergey Lipinus was something incredible. And that's the one reason why a lot of these guys are running far away from this guy. And rightfully so. I think that's going to be interesting. Uh, also, the main event with Jamal James and Butiev. Butiev actually is considered the favorite. I know we had Keith on early who thought, who thought he was the underdog. He is not. Jamal James is the underdog. That's the guy it's who narrow, I think it's narrow as an underdog, right? Yeah, he's like plus uh, 110, 130 along those lines. It's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not a huge underdog, but he's a slight one. And he's the guy I think is going to retain out of all this because I just think he's the more proven guy, only because outside of that disputed fight with Butiev, he, pre- he really should have, because he lost that fight flat out. The one thing about that uh, disputed fight, TJ, is that Butiev was caught with God knows how many drugs under the sun. Otherwise, he would, <laughs> would, wouldn't, even, wouldn't even be mentioning this guy. But that that's the interesting thing about that fight. The, the, what was also neat also uh, later on after all this all said and done, TJ, on the Hulu theater, we're just, we're, it's funny, TJ, we're, this, this Herring-Stevenson fight card was held in Atlanta last weekend, and I was there with Keith and everybody and 5,000 other people. I question that number for one reason, TJ. The only people there for five, out of that 5,000 outside of boxing media and the camps of Herring and Stevenson were the rappers and the, the pseudo-celebrities that they brought in, quote-unquote. And I say brought in with quotes because it was Evander Holyfield, for example. You know, uh, right. Kanye West was there and Flava Flav, uh, which sounds like a, a great spectacle, TJ. These guys all live in Midtown in town, so it's whatever. But they were all there. Uh, but this fight instead uh, have it has a uh, Sean Cepeda taking on Jose Vargas. He's it's a classic crossroads fight, TJ, and, and pretty much top rank all summer long has been doing these 50 50 fights. Well, we're calling them 50 50, it's kind of win or go home kind of fights, essentially, with, with top rank, and that's what this is with, with Cepeda. Cepeda, Cepeda had the knockout of the year, arguably. Uh, back uh, what a year ago, so Last but year that's a year Baranchik. ago, right yeah. against Baranchich. But so that's the main event. ESPN Plus the card uh, yeah. here. We'll see if he gets the knockout or not. And then again, back to uh, Jamal James and uh, Butayev. Yeah. Um, again, the Russian is technically undefeated here. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got a large amateur background. And the under over, we've been pushing under over the under over ten and a half rounds on this fight. James is a tough guy. Uh, Shango James is the is the over the play here as much as anything because it's a pick 'em fight, right? It, it's a pick 'em fight, TJ. But both, both these guys are pretty much pure boxers. These guys aren't exactly trying to go for the kill unless they see a a, a huge mistake in, in one of these guys. So this fight screams thirty six minutes all day on it. So I, I really do think it goes a distance. 
Ennis, by the way, they don't have a listed that I can find under over. But Ennis bombing out Delorme, do you give this more than like three rounds, four rounds that Boots Ennis uh, gets to I, him I, and gets to him quickly? I don't think this goes past four. I really don't see. I, I Delorme's formidable, TJ, and he's strong. But he's just one of those guys where he's at this point he's fought guys stronger than him, and I think Lipness was a stronger point than Delorme personally. Delorme, so I, I don't see this going any longer than that. He, he blew out Lipness in six, so I, I think this streams four, four and a half tops. All right, again, Boots Ennis out of Philadelphia. We'll see how that goes. Shango James out of Minnesota. And, of course, lurking Ugas, as Keith was talking about. Errol Spence, when he's back, what happens if – I mean, I, I like, again, fantasy land. If Terrence yeah. Crawford is victorious in a few weeks here against Sean Porter and wants to stay at 147, what about a Terrence Crawford-Boots Ennis fight? That would be fascinating. Again, waving a magic wand. Don't know how realistic that is. We'll see. Um, we'll see if that one comes to fruition. So we get through this weekend. We're done with October, and right off the bat, Keith Idick uh, from BoxingScene.com is staying right there. All eyes stay in Vegas for Canelo Alvarez, Caleb Plant to take over next week in the super middleweight undisputed title fight that we've been waiting on for practically a year since Ever. Canelo jumped back in the fray and we thought we might get this undisputed fight last winter, November, December. It turned out we didn't. We've waited some 10 or 11 months later. It looks like, fingers crossed, light the candle in the window. We're going to get it next week with Plant and Alvarez. We'll be ready for all of that right next week. Absolutely, TJ. With BigFightWeekend.com, your source for all things boxing news, past, present, future. We'll keep an eye on for things this weekend uh, going on. There's, there's a lot of it going on. Nothing of it uh, insanely great, except for Boots Ennis. I think he's great. But everything else will be around. We'll keep an eye out for that for Big Fight Weekend. But yeah, next week, TJ, Canelo Plant is where it's at. And these guys have been talking earlier this week. And the one thing that I thought was interesting that Canelo uh, mentioned was he is a nine handicap in golf, TJ. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I know he's that's golfing. That's good. That's pretty that's good. good. And I, I I haven't been around too many golfers lately, but I know the last time I was I dealt with one was Wanky Wright, who's a notorious scratch player, as we all know. And uh, I don't think he's challenging Canelo. I was around wings. Winky and played with him a couple times, and Winky was probably about a five handicap. So nine Ooh. means that's about nine strokes over par. That means you can shoot 80 or break 80 most of the time from the back tees. And Canelo's mm. got some golf game. We know about that. We've written about that. And Canelo keeps saying, you know, about how active his golf game has been. And, Ca and Caleb Plant was even making fun of that. Are you trying to be on the PGA Tour, or do you want to be remembered as an all-time fighter here? I mean, what's the deal? I'm just paraphrasing. <laughs> No, plant no plants no plant is dedicated and locked in on this. And wrote about this for Big Fight Weekend as well. And the one thing that I do like about Plant and what he's saying in this fight, because he is kind of selling it in a way, is the fact that he just doesn't care. And you can visibly hear him say it the way he sounds, it just that he doesn't care. And I do enjoy that more than anything else. He just wants to win. And he's got a hard time against Canelo, but he at least he's going for it, TJ. And let's be honest, in terms of Canelo fights, this is the one I actually I've been looking forward to for a minute, only because the past few, and it's the one thing that Caleb Plant did say, it sounded like these guys before the bell were already defeated before facing Canelo. He's not one of them, apparently. So we'll see what happens. The only thing that I will submit, and we got much more time to talk about it next week. I mean, the intrigue here is Canelo going for undisputed because let's make no pretense. Caleb Plant, let's be honest, is not a spectacular big-time knockout artist, huge threat. The draw is he's got the belt that Canelo wants. So can he make life difficult for him, if not maybe upset him, outbox him, whatever? 
I mean, it's not a draw from Kayla Plant scoring spectacular knockouts or having immense talent. That's fair, right? The draw is the undisputed quest for Canelo, right? Yeah, that's the hook next week, TJ. Is the fact that this is the first time in the four belt era or any modern era for the most part at 168 that these guys that all the belts are on the line for, for pretty much for all for, for all the belts. And it's something that I wished we would have more of at this point for more undisputed fights. So this, and it's one thing this year, TJ, despite everything that's gone down in boxing this year, we we've had somehow, some way, fingers crossed, we'll have two undisputed fights in the same calendar year, which at this point with boxing is almost like having three Super Bowls. So I'm I'm more can you ask for at this point? Yep. Well, I mean, we're looking forward to that. We got the heavyweights that all that all fought. Let's get the Canelo fight. Let's get that Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter later in November. And we will have done very well on the back half of the year after a lot of this was screwed up. That's what we like about the sweet science. We eventually, if you wait for it long enough, and God knows you have to wait at times, yeah. you do eventually get some of these fights to happen. So let's see if that is the case. All right, one more time, plug away for yourself, the site, et cetera, as we head into the final weekend of October 2021. That is the case. Go ahead, Marquise. Absolutely, TJ. Halloween weekend. Follow me at Week Sauce Radio on Twitter. Pretty much we'll be talking all boxing pretty much all weekend long, seeing if anything interesting happens on these these uh, boxing cards. There, there, there should be at least uh, at least that night in the uh, state side here. Uh, the UK, uh, we'll see what, see what Alan Babbitt does. But uh, outside of that, TJ, just wait for everything next week with, in the terms of in the world of boxing because it seems that everything has always been done on the back end. And I did want to close with one thought. Uh, I mean, I've got to ask Keith is what Keith had to run. Uh, Chiron Davis is the new challenger for David Benavides. We both for, for, for a big fight weekend because uh, Jose, Jose Uskatagi uh, tested uh, positive in Venezuela for banned substances. And oh. it's pretty bad, TJ, when you test in your home country for banned substances. <laughs> <laughs> very true so we got this whole super middleweight mess speaking yeah. of super middleweights where benavides has been the logical guy to fight canelo alvarez yeah. but let's go through this sequentially uh yeah. he previously has a flunked drug test a couple of years ago for cocaine there's strike yes. one he came in overweight last year during the pandemic and the, the uh, no fans fight sphere he came in way overweight lost his title that way they had this fight card set up with Ustakagi back a couple of months ago, and Benavides got COVID-19. Yeah. He's not vaccinated. Yeah. So now we come two months later to the opponent flunks a pre-fight drug test. I mean, it is like the curse of David Benavides. He can't get himself in position to fight Canelo Alvarez if you gave him a map and a flashlight right now. It ain't happening. It's, it's rough. No, TJ, it's rough. And the only saving grace out of all of this with uh, Kyron Davis replacing Uskatagi, TJ, at the end of the day, strangely enough, it's a better fight. Yeah. Unfortunately, because of the I, I was uh, the last time Uzgatagi fought TJ was 2019. He was on the Davis Gamboa card. I was there in Atlanta ringside for that because that opened up the show against Lionel Thompson. He looked washed then, so I, <laughs> no one expected him to win this anytime soon against Benavides. So they, they need to bring they need to find some other guy to bring in. They brought Kyron Davis, who I think actually may pose a tougher threat. Who was last seen giving Anthony Durrell. Uh, a split draw. I think actually uh, Davis won that fight actually back in February. So that is two weeks from now, the Showtime main event in Phoenix, and they're expecting a raucous crowd because both of the Benavides brothers are on that, Jose Benavides Jr. and David Benavides. God uh -huh. willing that we can get to that fight card because, again, there have been problems already, delaying it, et cetera. We'll see if, uh, we'll see if they get to that in two weeks. Canelo plant next week. Marquise, always love being with you. Thank you, my friend. We'll see what happens with the fights this weekend. Love it as always on the pod. Absolutely, TJ. Thanks so much.
Thanks to Keith Eidick, senior writer, big fight weekend or senior writer, boxing scene.com. We should say, we wish he was writing for us, but senior writer, boxing scene.com uh, and columnist. He's there in, in Las Vegas entrenched for this weekend for the welterweight doubleheader uh, that's there from Showtime and PBC. And then next week, he's there also for Canelo plant and the entire week. So we appreciate Keith's time with us tonight. Uh, and whenever you're hearing the podcast, a reminder, again, we come out usually on Friday. Subscribe to get it automatically to you. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Thanks again as well to Ryan Kramer, Sean Green, everybody with the Sports Gambling Podcast, their network of shows, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. They help promote us. For now, we are done. For Marquise Johns, I'm merely TJ Reeves. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Canelo and Plant next week from Vegas. Looking forward to that as well on the bigfightweekend.com podcast. Bye.